So let's turn to Acts 28, or the last page of Acts, if you will, or on your phone, the last scroll down part of Acts. <laughs> um, but as we're getting there, what are some of your favorite kind of stories in Acts? I mean, it's, a book, it's different than a lot of books because it's a book of stories. So it's, it's unique in that way. Um, but what are some of your favorites? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what around, what makes that good story? Um, or interesting to you? Well, right? it's so powerful. Every time I read it, I feel like I just get really emotional. I think the, I guess the power of like speaking what you know you're supposed to say, you know, even as he's about to die, he's like boldly proclaiming what Jesus has done for mm-hmm. him. Um, and then the fact that Paul witnesses it and that that's a huge part of his testimony is mm-hmm. just, just a really good reminder, I think, for me to that I guess in the moment of fear of not wanting to say something that I know I'm supposed to say, um, that that co- is something that comes up because you never really know who's witnessing mm-hmm. what you are sharing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's a good one. What else? <clears throat> I have two things. Yeah. Um, one's generally how the good news is shared. And what I mean by that is there's, there's action with it, but um, for a lot of my like, teen years, the way I was told to like, share the gospel was like this very specific like five verses and da-da-da-da-da. The spiel. Yeah, the spiel. Right. Uh, and, but you, don't, you never see the spiel here that I was taught in, like, the late 90s, you know what I mean? It's, um, so it's, my, my favorite one of those is when Paul, I think it is that when he's in Athens and he talks about how um, at different times of, like, human history, God has done what he's, done, done what, whatever possible so that people might reach for him and find him, mm-hmm. you know? Because he's not far from each one of us. Yeah, yeah that's and that's it. probably... Uh, <clears throat> That I mean, you can take that, and that conflicts with all kinds of different views that people over over times in the church have maybe had. But that I think that picture of God as one who's been doing what He can so that people could reach out and find Him is is very interesting. Mm-hmm. A findable God, yeah, rather than and encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but the the way the good news of Jesus is told is just not what I was like indoctrinated to to tell it as and so it's a good way to not just like uh, use the word deconstruct but it also doesn't just leave you deconstructed no. but it gives you something to say I was I was taught to spiel but but I, I can relearn a different way to, to tell that story you can build a new kind of thing mm-hmm. man I love that story so much too and sharing it's like a <clears throat> that word grasped is like a a, a desperate white knuckled attempt oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so it's like this idea that God like Shows the smallest bit of himself so they can, like, uh, with, like, grasping fingers is kind of the term. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Agreed. What else? I mean, we got the food blanket. Dustin's not even here for me to give him a hard time about it. Food blanket happened, remember? That was awesome. (laughs) Philip with the eunuch is my favorite part of mine. That would be your favorite story. I believe that. (laughs) What about it do you love? Uh, I think it's, it's 
kind of the upside down kingdom esque thing, where the person who's in power from outside is still outside when he comes to Jerusalem, and the fact that God sends one of the twelve to go be with them, and you don't know the context all around, but it's likely he couldn't experience God the way that other people would like to, or that he would probably have liked to, due to a variety of different factors, but that God chases him down, and through Philip, like, Philip's courage speaks directly to him, and then I mean, we have stories, but there's, you know, there's a country in Africa called Ethiopia that seems to be, and has been very, very following of Jesus for a long time, so you know the impact that that conversation might have had. Mm-hmm. Cool. I agree. <clears throat> what else? If you want. Wine and salt. Excuse me? Wine and salt. Yeah. Solid. Kind of changing things. Yeah. That one did. <laughs> what do you love about it specifically? Um, I just love the idea that, you know, even the most hated people in our lives that bad stuff uh, can still be redeemed through Christ and been turned to be you know, one of the biggest leaders you know, after Christ. And I just love the idea that um, you know, no matter what, what we do, you know, God still wants us. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's not like Paul is a passive player in the, in the church before. He was active. He was actively, he was a force against it and for it. You know what I mean? He's, he was always kind of a force. And so to have that, that story and God kind of break in, and not just like give him this moment, but legitimately change the, the person's existence and their, their means and their character and their way, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. What else? Any other one? It's time for another the section on community, you know, and they come together and pull all the goods, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's such a just radical form of of uh, kind of living in the abundance of, of what God divided all those people together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it seems to not like lasted a really long time due to the persecution, but the fact that like there's still the uh, story of that of that happening and then. It's an example to this day of people that are like you know really trying to you know live in the community with each other. So mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool. I agree. I agree. That one's that one's also hard for me though, because it's like how do you even how do you like begin kind of because it is so backwards from or we have gotten so backwards from that. You know what I mean? Like even to like our sacrifices we make with our time, or our finances, or whatever now. Common then it wasn't even writable. It wasn't even pennant worthy, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, of course you did that. You should be doing that. All that you know. But to us, it's like, oh man, yeah. Look at how we're growing. You know that kind of thing. But I agree, it's pretty beautiful. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, you can have another. One. We we can do this the whole time too. This is fine. So. Which often did for him, and you know, 
one thing that I see in this and have learned throughout my life as well is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, it makes people uncomfortable. Um, and oftentimes, you know, um, confusion sets in and chaos follows. And we see that in all five and multiple stories with him that kind of presses on and he listens to that. And he stands on the foundation of the word that he knows and the words on him. Anybody else? Yep. Again, plenty of time. I have, I have a bunch that I like and enjoy. <clears throat> um, two of my favorite, though, are one when he gets stoned and they think he's dead, so they bring him out of the city and they pray for him and then he goes back in the city. And they don't even stay that much longer. They leave, but he wants the final like, view of him in that city to be like, no, I walked back in the city. Like, you stoned me, and I went back in the city. And I love that it's, and it's not a, a, a faux masculinity or anything that I like about it. It's not that. It's not the, like, how tough he is, but that how the gospel can be fierce in that way. And, like, it's okay for the gospel to say, no, I can confront that and go back into town is, is good for me to remember. It's good to remember that you don't have to get, it's not, you know, turn the other cheek isn't necessarily being walked on, you know, necessarily. It can be empowering in that way. Um, and then also, I love when he goes into town and is trying to, like, talk in the synagogues and nothing's, like, hitting home. And they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't have come here. And they go outside of town to the river, and there's the women around, and they just start discussing things. And they're like, well, you should just come over to our house. Let's, let's talk about this at our house. And they, like, don't say no, this isn't the way we planned, or they're like, no, you're not very important, or anything like that. They're like, of course, that sounds awesome. So they go and they plant this vibrant church that changes that corner of the whole world just because they go washing, you know? They go get a drink outside of town with the river. I love that about it. It's the way they had plans for something, and the other way was better, and planned, and right, and good, you know? And Anyway, um, so let's do this. Let's, let's read the passage. Uh, it's not much, it's a shorter one. And then let's we'll just kind of talk about a few things and kind of how Acts closes itself and why maybe and kind of what the intent was. In verse 17, or uh, sorry, 11, after three months we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a smooth wind sprang up. Uh, that's not true. A south wind sprang up. It might have been smooth. We don't know. How dare I interpret that? So a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we arrived at Putioli? I don't even know how to say that. Um, there we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And then we came to Rome. 
And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, came as far as the forum of Apaeus, the three taverns, and they met us there. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we had come into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore... I have been asked to see I have asked to see you and to speak with you since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing these chains. And they said to him, "We have not received letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear <clears throat> we desire to hear from you what your views are. For we regard to this sect, for with regard to this sect, we know everyone um, for everywhere it is spoken against. So basically what he does, he gets into town. Um, there's uh, Christian brothers in the area, um, but they have traveled a long way. They heard he's coming to town, so they want to greet him as he's being brought into the city. Again, he is still a prisoner. It's important, okay? Even though he's like house arrest later um, with a guard, it's still very much, there's no, the, the freedom is not there, okay? So these, these other believers come and they meet him to encourage him. And it says that it does bring him much encouragement, right? It's this beautiful thing of, like, them wanting him to know there are people in the city, which is, which is I think, pretty awesome. Um, then he brings the Jewish leaders together and just wants to do like he's done everywhere, right? Says, what is his pattern when he enters the city? Who does he talk to first? Where does he go first? He goes to the synagogue to talk to his brothers, his people, okay? Again, it's important. Paul is extremely Jewish still, that it's very, very important for everything he says and everything he does. He is still very Jewish, okay? So he goes to the synagogue. Then, if he finds that people are receptive there, what does he do? He stays there and teaches, right? If he gets rejected there, what does he do? What did you say? Yeah, he goes to the river. (laughs) He does, yeah. He takes the gospel to the Gentiles after that, right? And then if there's if it's still troubling, he stays there until he gets stoned to death, basically. That's, that's kind of how the pattern has been going, okay? So here, he's going in, not even under his own power, but he stays with this. He believes in this, all right? It's not just something that they tried, they had success, so they're going to keep doing it. No, this is the way they feel like salvation is coming to the world, okay? They feel like the kingdom of heaven at hand moves forward in this way, so he continues that. He brings the Jewish leaders together, and he's like, look, I'm sure you've heard, but let me set the matter straight, okay? I have nothing against our nation. In fact, I only have hope for it, okay? I have done nothing that deserves the death penalty. I don't know what you've heard. And what do they answer back? Yeah, we actually haven't heard anything bad about you, right? They say, no no one from Judea has come to tell us that we should murder you upon arrival. Like, everything's all right. They say, however... If you're going to talk about the way, the sect, they call it, we do want to know your views on that because even they had seen, it had reached Rome, the fact that the way was something people were against. The way found problems, right? The way found difficulty, and they want to know about it. They're like, however, if you're going to talk about that, let's discuss 
we have only seen it be harmful for people, right? Like it's only been hard. <clears throat> um, when they had appointed a day for him, in verse 23, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. And from morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. And here's the statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go tell this people, say this, you will be indeed hearing, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their eyes hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Does anyone remember anyone else saying that passage to a group of people? Yeah, right? Jesus comes into town and speaks <clears throat> about a new kingdom coming at hand, right? And people either want him to take over by force or they just want to kill him right then. And he says, oh, it's true. It's true. And they say, well, why are you saying that? Why are you, why are you, acting, why are you teaching us in parables? It's like I have to teach in parables because <laughs> you hear things and don't understand them. You see and you don't perceive, lest you would turn, right? Lest you would turn your ways and change your course and you don't. It's, it's the same thing here. Paul has seen this to be true. It's kind of sad to me that towards the end of all of these things, Paul says, wow, my people, like the ones I love the most, oh man, are, are seeing and not perceiving, hearing and not understanding, that they... Something is blocking their ears, something is blinding their eyes, kind of idea. Um, <clears throat> does anyone know what happens to Paul after these two years? Or what happens during these two years? I mean, what's it say again? It says, He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcoming all who came to him, which is also beautiful, claiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Anything else we know about that time? It's getting there. It's getting there. It's a couple years before that, but yeah, it's getting close. Anyone else? Do y'all know what books he writes during this time? Or letters? I have to have them on this because I don't remember them all. Galatians, 2 Timothy, um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Um, Some think if Paul wrote Hebrews, it was probably now-ish towards the end of it. Um, and possibly some of First Timothy, which is cool. So it's not like he's just sitting <laughs> at home. He's busy. He cares about the church at large. There are things to do, right? But then after this, <clears throat> it's, it's hazy, kind of depending on what, what you read. It's, all, it's other literature. It's not biblical canon. We don't have too much. But people think because of what he writes in Timothy that um, he does get to visit Nero now during these two years and that it goes poorly but he doesn't get killed. We have this, this, and a lot of people will attribute to this, this escape from the lion's mouth 
or he's handed from the lion's den, and that's what people are thinking is happening. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> you're, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to go in there. <clears throat> um, but so they think that the visit, you know, it obviously doesn't lead to his death, but he does get to see Caesar, and before Nero is persecuting the church, he goes to him, and it just doesn't go well, but he doesn't get killed, right? So he stays in prison there. Um, and then either he gets to go again and then gets set free, or just in the collapse of like Nero's reign and his brain and kind of the Republic at the time idea, that he just gets set free in the midst of that, right? Or maybe people advocate for him. That's the part that's kind of hazy. But after these two years, he goes. And so he's been in, he's been in custody now for five years, right, to near Jerusalem. And then there's this year before and kind of in between. It's like six months before and six months in between. And then he's going to have two in Rome. It's five years of his life that I doubt he thought would take five years, right? Remember, he's going in, back into Jerusalem. And he's like, I don't, you know, I probably won't see all of you again, but I know this is my goal and this is my vision and this is what I'm going to do. And he reaches Caesar. It takes a long time and it's hard. And to be honest, it's probably boring. <laughs> and it's probably difficult to get through every day, either in a jail cell or by himself at home with people visiting, yes. But every day, right? Does he really come and go as he pleases in a new place, in a new land where he's not getting to plant churches and he's not getting to do that? Like, this, is, this is probably just difficult because it doesn't seem lively. You have this whole life of adventure and, and some chaos, like you're saying. And, I mean, you have stories where people want to worship you as Zeus one minute and they stone you near to death the next minute. That's crazy. It's exciting in some ways, right? Like this former life he lived almost. Because if you've been somewhere five years, it's like the five years before is a long time ago. Asher's five. I don't even know who the other guy was before that part, Right? It's so different to me. It's, it's so far away, and life has, is so different now. That happens to us. I imagine that being similar to what Paul lived in. And yes, he still shares the kingdom. And yes, he still does these things, okay? And we'll get back to that. But then he gets to be free. He's free. And then some people say for about two years he's free, and he makes some missionary journeys. There's a few writings, or there's like, popular belief kind of thing, or there's people that wrote about meeting Paul in other cities. Like, they would write about it, and that literature was saved and and kept and all this. So he possibly stays, and then Nero starts to persecute Christians in Rome. And so the idea from from most, most that I've read is that it starts decimating the church and, like, hurting it, I mean, killing people and torturing them and all these things. But then also, it, it's starting to do what Nero wanted to do, and the church is dispersing and breaking up, and it's, it's not going. It's not in a thriving time, is what people would believe. And so Paul goes back there to strengthen it as an old man, and then Nero beheads him when he finds out that he's there. Some people think that Paul converted one of Nero's uh, lovers, possibly, and that was some of it, but that's more like in writings that some people are like, I don't know about that. But there's all these thoughts about why Nero wanted to kill him at the end, right? 
But that's his life. That's how it goes. That's the end of the story in that way, right? Stays here and is in prison for five years. Gets like two years off or something, or two years back in adventure, and then goes back to Rome and is killed. Um, you know, and I think about, I, I think about again, this last part of Acts has felt really personal to me for us. It did in the beginning, but it's more like, like what Mark was saying. It's like how we want to be, you know, this community and the boldness and all these things and seeing the Holy Spirit do amazing things like you were talking about. And it's like we want to see that in us. The end part, I don't think it's as much like what we're all aspiring to necessarily. The end of Paul's life, not that it was bad, but it's just not, I don't think that the way we see the excitement or the adventure or the kind of just the intensity of what we think is Paul's life, right? And I feel like a lot of us, um, life can feel like, not like you're in prison, right? I don't feel like I'm in prison having kids. That's not what I mean. But it does feel different. It feels like my priorities are very different. My 20s and 30s have been uniquely different, right? We had Ash when I was 30, 20s were just different life and then you have this life to where a lot of us I've heard in conversations and in discussions maybe isn't what we were hoping for or it's like we're we're worried we're complacent or we're worried we're boring or we're worried we're not experiencing life that's truly life right or we're worried we're just in a season of blah or blueness or outright difficulty or hardship. And you just, some of us just look and it's like, this is not what I imagined it being like. This isn't what I thought the kingdom at hand would be like at whatever stage of life you are. And And I don't doubt that Paul had these moments as he's in jail for five years in captivity for five years. But we have, again, this person who's willing and ready upon every visit to joyfully explain the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. And he still finds it at hand. It's not at hand next week or when I get over blank or as I start to this or when we are in a better place this way. Or No, it's at hand right then with him personally. The kingdom of heaven for us. Whatever your stage of life you're in, or however the last one was, or what the season is doing to us, the kingdom of heaven is at hand now. Graspable with like white knuckled fingers. With grasping fingers. Is at hand and ready and available and here with us. And this this thought that some of us have is like, ugh, I need to do this, this, and this, or I need to get over this, this, and this, or this needs to go right, or I have to change, so that I can have, is, is absolutely not important for us to be interacting with the kingdom of heaven. It's just not. There are joys about you. There were joys all about Paul that he was hopefully able to realize and enjoy and step into. The fact that visitors would come and he would be able to enjoy the kingdom. I'm sure he wanted to go out and see them. I'm sure he wanted to go to Ephesus where he wrote letters. I'm sure he wanted to go see Timothy and hug him 
and talk about life and give him wisdom. To settle for a letter, right? But that was joyful. And we have all over in the greetings of his letters, oh, I long for you, I miss you, but it's my joy to write you these things, right? That my love and joy may be complete. Please do this. Please, I want to know that you're living this way, right? That all these things in his life that, that he could find meaning in and joy and talk to Nero and be in the court of Caesar a few times and do all of this was something that if, that if he's looking specifically on how he imagined it turning out, he would miss. And we will too. Right? Obviously the goal was to have Nero see Jesus as Lord and enjoy the kingdom of heaven at hand and change Rome that way. Right? I'm sure Paul hoped that was the way. Right? It did not go that way. In fact, Nero decimated the church and tried to murder every Christian and blamed a Roman fire on them and beheaded Paul. Who's going to go to talk to him? So it didn't go the hopeful best way, right? But it was, it was beautiful to him. The fact that he has to lament to these Jewish leaders in like one of the last cities he goes to and say, man, I'm explaining everything I can all day and night. <laughs> and you're, some of you are like almost believing. It's like, Come on. Please. And he says, ah, you're seeing and not perceiving, hearing and not understanding. I'll go somewhere else, right? But we just, we just have to know that. And I think with Acts, for us, with, with our church, for sure, this, the, our season, I know it's been real long, but I think our season has, has gone well with this. And it's, Acts has spoken to us through our season, right? Of, of us being... <clears throat> hopeful and kind of rethinking and talking about what it means to be an us, you know, and what it means to have people not in your family that you say we about, you know, and it's not like your sports ball team or whatever else, you know, it's like your, I know, right? Yeah, just be funny, just be funny, just be funny, just be funny. I know it's not called sports ball. So, but, but the idea of like people can be uh, with you, you can have community different, you can really think someone's dinner is more important than your way to be transported to work. Which sounds so crazy to say because of course it is, but we don't do that. We say our way to work is more important. We do. And to like go from talking about those things and wrestling with those things, and I remember talking with you about us trying to buy the Villanueva's groceries and me having this like crisis in the grocery store, right? And I remember that because that's the time different ones of us were talking about, though. It wasn't just, you know, us leading it. It was, it was hearing that everywhere and, and starting a restore, restore group in the midst of that and, and hearing Lily come home and know that y'all were dealing with some of the similar things and, and going from that to, like, these missionary journeys that were so adventurous and bold and unique in that way and, and us trying to wrestle with, you know, what is that look like now. We interrupted that, remember, with who we are as a church. We talked about what it means to be a disciple, family, um, missionaries, and learners. Remember, we we interrupted there, and it was right at that time when Paul was about to go and do all this craziness. Remember, because Caitlin taught the last one on learners, and we put on the wall all these first missionary journeys, you know, this diverse church that decided to change the world a little bit if they could. And we, we talked about all those things, and then 
our lives, so many of us, as we were going through this, have just, have just gotten hard. You know? Whether it's, whether it's just disappointment or things that shocked and surprised us or things out of our control, it's been hard for a lot of us. And we've watched Christianity here, this early, the early followers of the way, meet different kind of persecution, not the kind that's like right in their face they can confront and be aggressive towards. But like we've started seeing it meet apathy. We've started meeting, seeing it meet like discord. And we've started seeing it meet like, I mean, it started and they're like, no, they need to, they need to go ahead and uh, circumcise everyone. What? No. What are you talking about? We're not doing this. This isn't what the kingdom is. No. What's happening? And, and we see it go awry in hard ways, and it just, we're in, you know, he's in jail for five years. I was hoping for this dramatic, you know? And I just, I'm, I'm thankful Acts has gone with us this, like, almost two years, holy years. And I'm thankful we went through Acts. I laugh now because some of your restore groups were going to like read through Acts with us and you read through it in like a month. And I was like, oh man, that's going to be hard for you. <laughs> you've, you've known this was coming for a month <laughs> or for years, you know, you finished in a month. Uh, but yeah, yeah, long enough ago to be like, yeah, two years ago we read that. Um, but I'm thankful it's gone with us because we've needed it. It's been like, it really has been perfect for us, I feel like. Um, and I feel like the last chapters are for us as well. That we will take heart together. And that we, in sometimes of our humdrum moments, our, our very difficult seasons, will still find joy and will still know the kingdom is with us. And we will still, you know, whether we're shipwrecked on an island or bitten by a snake or we're, whatever it may be, that we are understanding of of God's hope with us. Maybe not what he wants us to do anymore, because we were like, oh, we thought we were supposed to do blank, but I don't know, we're not doing it. I don't know what we're supposed to do. But just God's with us-ness, I think we can hope in. Um, and so I don't know. I, I just, I wanted to hear from y'all some of your favorite stories to remember them and just be encouraged. And then, I mean, moving forward, um, that we continue to go back to those things of being a community, a family community, you know, of being people who take risks and support each other in taking risks, you know, that, that will have discord over what's right, not only for our small body of people, but for what the church universally is supposed to do and want we'll to figure that out together. And we will, right? And we'll, we'll start to sort through you know, how to spend and what to do with this and, and how to love people. And, and we'll do that and enjoy that together. Um, I'm excited to. And I wanted to know if anyone else has, I wanted to end on, does anyone have one more story they enjoyed from it? From Acts? There's time, or I'm going to give one also. But I'd like to hear from you more. I have a goofy one. I'm just go for it. Hey, chill out. We're not drunk. It's We're not drunk. <laughs> We're not even drunk. 
<laughs> Honestly, though, here's the real deal. If we acted in community like that, a joking comment would be like, are you drunk? What did you do with that money? Are you crazy, right? What did you do with your energy and your time? You spent it on what? Are you out of your mind, right? <clears throat> um, I mean, mine is, mine is similar to the Stephen story and the, the Paul conversion both. That's what I love about the Stephen story too, is that Paul's there and that he like holds the clothes and then later talks about holding the clothes, you know, talks about giving his vote or something, and that's brutal and good, you know, but that somehow this person had to find peace with being a sinner and a saint in the same time of life <laughs> as a grown-up and deal with it and sort it out and then have people treat you so much better than you did to, like, welcome you and that whole thing, I just think is amazing. I think it's amazing. And I think for us, that is a good one to remember. Obviously, Stephen's boldness and the whole story you were sharing is obviously wonderful. But the idea that um, each one of us has like held the clothes, you know, at different points in our life, and like been okay with the kingdom taking loss, you know, whatever that means or whatever that looks like. But then also being on the other side of that and being a, a, con- a truly converted human being and be a changed altered course person, I think is really beautiful. And that's who we are. And we, we don't look like we want to every day. Our life doesn't look like what we want it to every day. But we are, we are that and finding joy in the midst of it. So, anyway. So let's do this. As we have communion, um, we're going to do our liturgy of response like we do. But then I do want you to think about a story in Acts that you've enjoyed or that you like or the season now you're in and again, maybe trying to find the joys that we would miss if we're not careful. Um, but I want you to do that and then I want us to have communion in, in that, of that mind, okay? And because we are, these aren't just the acts of the apostles here, okay? This is the acts of the Holy Spirit, the acts of Jesus with them that we are celebrating and that we're remembering that Jesus was present to Paul on a road. The fact that, I mean, the the breath of God spoke that Gentiles could obviously receive salvation was never there before, right? The fact that Peter went to a centurion, or sent word or whatever, I don't even remember how that went now, but the fact that the, the food blanket came and did that, And so I want us to just think about our story and have communion, thanking Jesus for for that and enjoying Jesus' company in the life that we live now, the acts of Jesus now. Okay? So let's do that. Let's stand together.